With a vision for financial planning that allows their clients to live more, worry less, Keith Spangle, CEO and private wealth advisor at Symphony Financial, is the strategic force behind the exceptionally high-performing ensemble team of the Northwestern Mutual Private Client Group. Thank you for joining us, Keith. Thank you, Kelly. It's a pleasure to be here. I invited you to participate in the sales team series because your partners hail you as the visionary and strategic mind behind Symphony Financial success. You've been leading and growing the Symphony Financial sales team known as an ensemble inside of a Northwestern Mutual agency for the past 33 years. And I can't help but say that seems impossible. <laughs> so explain the idea of an ensemble. So Symphony actually came into existence in name over the last six years, working with my partners to come up with something that wasn't named after ourselves, something that would continue on and that people can be a part of without feeling like their name isn't on the door or on the, on the building. So 33 years ago, started out as an individual selling life insurance, disability insurance, and annuities specialized in more sophisticated use of insurance over the years early on for estate planning, executive compensation, all those things. And people started asking me about managing money. And they liked the way we were handling the insurance side of their affairs. And you get that question enough and you realize there's an opportunity. Uh, I actually stood on my soapbox in one of my study groups back in the late 90s and said the investment business is potentially going to destroy the insurance side of our business. But wow. the reality is it, it enhanced it because now we're more relevant in the client's eyes. And when you're doing a larger scope of work, uh, investment management, as well as insurance and financial planning, you just need more people. And the reoccurring revenue from the investment business allowed me to do that. So I reinvested a lot of profits early on and still into building a talented team. Well, I know personally, when you have someone you trust organizing all of your financial affairs, it's already so complicated when you're having separate people work on it. Mm -hmm. So bringing them under an umbrella with having experts in your ensemble is such a smart and, and highly effective and a comfort to your clients for sure. I think they do like to have more than one opinion as well. Uh, having a few sets of eyes look at their situation, come up with ideas and suggestions. I think that they appreciate the additional perspectives of people who look at the world just a little differently than maybe just I would. So we've heard that a lot. In fact, once we became an ensemble, people would say to us, oh my gosh, I was wondering if something were to happen to you, what we do. Now I know. They never voiced that ahead of time. But they certainly pointed it out after saying that it was a bit of a relief to know that someone was going to be able to continue the planning that we started. Well, yeah, as someone who's had those thoughts, it's kind of uncomfortable asking, what if you die? Right. <laughs> Let's face it. We all know nobody wants to talk about that. I mean, that's what's hard about this business. We, talk, we call and ask people to talk about something that they don't want to talk about. That's uh, <laughs> That's why uh, everyone in our industry is so remarkable, in my opinion, is we're able to get to the mm -hmm. essence of the matter in a way that isn't offensive or off-putting. So. so true. When we talked about growing your team, you said all of your partners look for a recruit superpower. Tell us about that. I, I think we're all put on this earth to do something. And 
many people don't even know what it is. And early on in my career, I'm not even sure where I learned it. It was, it might've just been on just sheer laziness. <laughs> is there's certain things I don't like to do. It turns out most of those things I'm not very good at anyway. There are things that I don't like to do that I am good at, but it's not a very fun day, right? Uh, those are the check boxes that we would all like to skip. But when I'm doing what I like to do, life is good. And, you know, the symphony life is what we call it, is doing the work you love to do with the people you love and having an impact. And that's the way I, I go about developing team members is to ask them and to help discover what their superpower is. Uh, it might just simply be by asking them what what makes you get up in the morning and gets you excited about going to work. What's the what's the one thing if it's all you had to do you would do it, and hopefully that answer is actually part of their skill set, <laughs> but, and, and it usually is. Uh, and then then I'll tell them then we're going to try to get you to do as much of that as as we can, and we'll lean on the strengths of others in order to do that. And the good news is. Very few people like to do the same thing as their neighbor. So we've got a lot of really talented people doing what they love to do most of the day. Well, yeah, I think we would call your laziness strategic thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, what it is is I was, I was the youngest of seven. So uh -huh. I was I was the baby. I know that I was a surprise because I'm five years behind my next door brother my mom said a blessing I, I she called me the caboose so i, I wow. knew that was code for a surprise she instilled in me that she always thought that i was a leader mm. and so in my upbringing for whatever reason the power of a mother's word or just her observation was really impactful and i was always told what to do by my older brothers and sisters so i needed to do something where i didn't really have a boss <laughs> so uh, and they couldn't tell me to do things i didn't like to do so um part of it is just simply wanting to enjoy my day and do what i was good at so it turned into a business strategy you also talked about that early on you hired for attitude tested for aptitude and trained for required skills. But as your organization got bigger, that you flipped to now hire for skills, test for attitude and aptitude. What does your selection process involve? At this stage, we might be looking for a seasoned professional who has experience, whether it be a, a, a COO or a, an investment analyst or someone like that, or a planning expert. So we have to look for someone who has the skills. It, it takes forever to get someone to become an expert. So early on in my career, I just needed good people around me that I could teach to do the simple stuff that would free me up to go talk to the next client. So that was why I always hired the attitude back then, because frankly, I didn't know how to run a business, but I needed somebody that had a good attitude that could put up with my craziness. I mean, I have, an idea, I have an idea a minute. I'll have 100 ideas in a day, but 99% of them aren't, aren't necessarily good. But it's still one good idea a day. Uh, problem is my staff has to, you know, act on almost every idea I bring to the table. Um, and it drives them a little batty. So good attitude goes a long way in our organization. Um, but when you're looking for a skilled position, you have to flip that. And uh, attitude is still the deciding factor but we start by looking for the person with the skill that we need to fill. Well, the good news is, you know, people who work on innovation say that you're not really getting the innovative ideas till you get to the hundredth idea. So you're on the right track. It'd be really fun to interview your staff. <laughs> no. Yeah, that would, uh, that would be interesting. So. <laughs>
So speaking of the team, how is it organized today and how has that evolved from the early days? So we have uh, four producing partners and two partners that are key employees. So there's six owners in our firm uh, who own equity in Symphony. Um, then the remaining are support people with long-term incentive comp and other incentives for the work that they do. It all comes down to reaching OKRs and team and individual goals for bonuses and things along those lines. And there's 22 people on our team, ranging from you know 30 years of experience to three months of experience. So it's a nice wide variety of people. It's diverse. And it's also, it's generational. So there's maybe even, I can see generation two advisors emerging and, and three isn't, isn't far behind that. So for me, that's what I'm focused on is how do we perpetuate Symphony beyond the original founding owners? Beautiful. Let's talk fits and starts. Can you share an example of a time when your team wasn't working as you planned? Hmm. Yeah, uh, I can give you one early on, and it's probably why I have a team that we have. I was doing things on the cheap early on in my career. I was trying a million-dollar roundtable. I was making that yearly and so on and living a really fun life. My wife and I had been married for five years before our firstborn. And so life was simple. It was go to work, sell insurance, meet new people, 20 new people a month. And that, that just made my world go around. I could do whatever I wanted with my free time. Uh, however, we were going to have our first, we were having our first child and he came very, very early. And she at the time was working for me. She had left her position as a reporter and joined me to help me administratively. And she was my only employee at the time. So this is going back to the very beginning. This is 1993 or four. So four years in, five years in. And he was early and we knew that there was going to be special needs uh, for him. And so her world changed immediately. And so did mine. But I, I could tell work was not what she was interested in. She was interested in the survival and the, and the care of our son. And I remember walking into my office after two, three weeks in the hospital and I closed the door behind me and I saw the phone. And back then when you had messages, the phone would blink and the more messages, the more rapid it would blink. It was blinking so rapidly. It was almost continuous mm. on, on, the, on the alert button. And I sat against the door and I just slid down, sat down. I just, I had my big cry oh. and I vowed right then and there uh, that I was never going to be in a position where I was flat footed when hit with adversity. And uh, for whatever reason at the time I said, I am always going to have a team. Uh, I need, I want people around me that I can help and who can help me. And I won't, I won't, I won't make this mistake twice because uh, that was a very tough time. Very I bet. tough. Time. I yeah. bet. And clearly any kind of upset or disruption compared to that seems mild. Yeah, yeah that was a big one, and both personally and professionally. So I can remember it like it was yesterday. Well, that's a big why to keep the course on having a team, which, mm -hmm. you know, the picture of your team on your website is super inspiring. You know, they say everything happens for a reason. And 
uh, our son, we were told that he wasn't going to be able to go to college. He, he, was, he, he was mainstreamed in school, but I remember when he was first born, I saw that he had uh, some physical issues. It turns out he has cere cerebral palsy. It wasn't diagnosed till later, but I knew something was, was off. Um, and I remember saying to myself, at the moment he was born and I saw that, I went from being a boy to being a man almost mm -hmm. instantaneously. And I vowed that no matter what he needed, whether whether insurance could cover it or would cover it or not, I wasn't ever going to be in a position to say no. And uh, I remember making that vow. And I had a young person in our industry come up to me one time after a talk and said, your son is so lucky you're successful. So you can buy those wheelchairs and buy those therapies and all those things. And I said to him, I said, you've got that reversed. Um, I vowed never to say no. And that's why I'm successful. So it's because of him. And just fast forward, the good news is not only did he go to college, uh, we, we uprooted our family to move to a place where better schools, where their outlook was a little more positive about his future. And right over my shoulder here, uh, he is teaching at a school uh, and he graduated with honors in college. So uh, we were able to do it. And without a team, it would have been impossible because the constraints financially and uh, time-wise would have been too great. So it's uh, it's funny how what motivates people, but that that was a moment that 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 got my attention, and that vow is the reason I was motivated to help build Symphony. Mm, what a beautiful story! Yeah. For an advisor right now who's considering an independent teams model versus their solo practice, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add about? that model? Um, I think just it's, if you're going to have partners, it's, you're getting married. And I would, I would approach it as seriously as that maybe do joint work together. Um, you know, call that engagement, <laughs> uh, but if you're going to get married, meaning you're going to own shares of stock, you really want to think that through. It's not something to rush into, um, yeah, there's lots of benefits, but there's also lots of challenges. You give up your autonomy. You have somebody else to answer to. Your your decisions directly impact other people's lives. And so you, you're not the only one paying the price. And that adds a whole level of sophistication to how you manage your life personally and professionally. And you got to be ready for that. You're going to give up freedom in exchange for some luxuries. Yeah, that's a terrific perspective. Mm-hmm. Your ensemble right now is protecting clients' present and future dreams with $3.3 billion in life insurance promises and another billion in assets under management. What advice would you give to agency leadership looking to grow more teams or start their first team? To agency leadership, I would suggest that they educate themselves on what other firms are doing in the investment management space. Uh, how are they structuring their teams? And use that information to help determine what's right for their organization and their culture. Because the life insurance industry is very different than the investment management industry. It's all called wealth management nowadays, but that's not wealth management isn't a discipline. It's a it's a category, mm -hmm. and so many people do it differently. 
So what's the right combination of insurance production and investment production and how you manage a team and the service model? It's different. It's a new animal. So I would become an expert and learn so that you can support your reps who are thinking about joining a team. Excellent advice. Every leader of high-performing independent teams that I've spoken to, including you, has given much recognition to their agency leaders and the partnership with home office. What's been the most valuable things they've done to help you and the future of teaming at Northwestern Mutual? Uh, they've listened. They've listened. This is a rapidly changing world. And we want everybody to be able to do it the way they want to. Some people want to stay risk only, and some people are very investment heavy. There's no right answer. It all contributes to the success of the company. But also with the investment management, options open up to people in our industry in terms of homes that you could be at. So right. Northwestern Mutual and their wisdom listen to what our needs are and they have evolved as well, which is not easy for a large company to do. So I applaud leadership all the way from the CEO down to our local field leaders for seeing that this was a trend that is likely gaining momentum and is going to change the industry a bit. And not repelling it, but leaning into understanding it and helping us build a platform that works within our industry. So to that, I'm very, very grateful and I'm very active in helping that happen. So it's it's really a fun journey. It's a whole new it's a whole new space. Seems like you're gathering more of those brothers and sisters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seems like it. Keith, thank you for sharing your generous and well-earned wisdom on what it takes to build a high-performing, true team that delivers impact and results to all of your stakeholders. You're welcome. I'm happy to do it. I hope it helps someone out there. Oh, I'm sure it will. For leaders watching this, here's your burning question. What would it mean to you if you could build and grow high-performing sales teams within your firm like Keith Spangle and his partners are doing at Symphony Financial? You can. Start by identifying your ideal vision for your teams and assess what's stopping your ideal from happening right now. If you're serious, take our top team mistakes to avoid assessment and I'll personally review your results, plus give you actionable steps you can put into place immediately. No charge for you, only the upside of moving your teams to your ideal. I've helped more than 500 top industry leaders increase performance, results, and profits during the past 20 plus years. To say it's my passion is an understatement. Click the button below this video to take the confidential assessment. Whether you want feedback from me or not, you'll gain specific intelligence on exactly where to focus your efforts to improve the performance within all of your teams. If you want to learn more about Symphony Financial and Keith Spangle, plus the great work that they're doing in the world, go to symphonyfinancial.nm.com. To subscribe to more podcasts like this, visit macaulayandco.com forward slash podcast and sign up. I'm Kelly McCauley, president of Macaulay and Company, where we help good leaders become great through high impact leadership and team coaching that delivers measurable results. Until next time, keep leading yourself and your teams to higher levels of success in all areas of your lives.